Hello everyone, welcome to our podcast. My name is Sophie. And my name is Sirka. So the book that we chose to discuss for our podcast was Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiments, Intimate Histories of Riotous Black Girls, Troublesome Women and Queer Radicals by Saida Hartman. To give brief context, the book is set in disenfranchised pockets of downtown New York and Philadelphia during the 1910s and 20s. What I took to be the main concept of the book was how, in her discussion of what it means to be free, Hartman illustrates the social bonds that her characters form with each other in order to create unique forms of intimacy. This beautiful depiction of freedom was a subtle way to subvert the power that white oppression had during this time. Sophie will now describe the other themes outlined in the book. For this podcast, we'll discuss several themes in Hartman's book, Way Wide Lives, Beautiful Experiments, that she published in 2019. Hartman's themes often revolved around the black body, gender norms, the boundaries of the sexes, and their ways of navigating freedom in the US, to name a few. A passage in the book that struck me was Hartman's usage of specific terms such as the ungovernable, particularly resonating with modern day issues in the United States and worldwide. The term ungovernable reflects historical and colonial ties in treating black individuals as property through exploitation. Her writing illustrates how minorities become forms of government, which is currently illustrated with abortion laws in the US. What is more surprising with this term is its significance in considering black individuals as ungovernable for their writer's behavior in the hopes of achieving freedom. Not only is the term rooted in how black individuals were perceived and treated, but how disrupting their behavior is conceived to white Americans. Although it may be expressed differently nowadays, we can see similar discourses when minority groups protest or voice their discontent in society. They're often portrayed as angry citizens who use violent means and demonstrations, discrediting their aspirations. How did you experience reading this book? So for me, the book is often subdued in tone, which obviously, given the serious subject matter of oppression, racism and hopelessness that endlessly prevail due to the circumstances of the characters, is appropriate. The strains of imperialism surrounding the black movement during this time and the struggle to rebel against it frequently crop up cultivating a framework of us versus them, which often simmers over sparking riots. However, what I found to be most interesting were the momentary glimmers of nostalgia and hope that Hartman infuses her writing with. This balanced out the overall mood of the book and showcases Hartman's talent as an author, her ability to blend hope with despair and optimism with rebellion. She frequently references his white aversion to black hedonism. It would appear that during the 1910s and 20s that hedonism was a luxury only to be afforded to white people and engagement in any form of self-pleasure by black women was interpreted as being almost illicit or disorderly and criminal. We can see this in the character of Esther, who insisted on being treated by her teachers the same way as white students. Um, The teachers then told the authorities that Esther enjoyed too much freedom. She intends to get to engage in paradoxical language utilized with the possible intent of shocking the reader. Baby-faced whores, white slavery, forced intimacy. The discomfort provoked by these terms mirrors the anguish felt by black women during this time. I felt that this crafting of heavy tension was skillfully done by Hartman and draws you further into the character's feelings and headspaces. I think this notion of us versus them is indeed relevant and reveals how gender and race were constructed upon each other in defending societal norms and what was perceived as acceptable behaviour. In the case of queer people, the book portrays how they are engendering 20th century America, seen as a threat. Black individuals found themselves flirting between both genders and fitting in none of them simultaneously. From an academic standpoint, Hartman's Hartman's depiction of black queer individuals challenges challenges and brings more depth to Crenshaw's formulation of intersectionality. Instead of seeing each category as fixed, 
Hartman elaborates how the experience and bodies always limited to them being considered fully woman or fully man, which questions our understanding of womanhood and its white bias. Because being woman meant being a white woman, her book challenges how we can understand black womanhood compared to whiteness and how an intersectional lens may implicitly disregard this aspect. As readers, we also learn about the colour line. This was a way of demarcating the different realms in New York between white and black people. It is an overarching term that explains how structural racism became ingrained in New York societies. Landlords who rented to black tenants were more likely to have harsh fines and penalties imposed on their tenants. There then became a reluctance to rent out to black tenants, which resulted in a housing crisis that skewed the favour to white tenants. The injustice hailing against black people and the propensity for them to be held to harsher legal standards naturally simmers over in in Hartman's characters, making Esther the sort of girl who would not hesitate to smash things up. This rebellion creates something of a toxic circularity, an angry reaction to receiving unfair treatment by the state, which then is more likely to result in prosecution and the label of the angry black woman. I thought Hartman did an excellent job in exposing this racial trope and engaging the reader to recognise the validity of such anger through her presentation of police brutality and the harsh conditions of the prison system. Relating to the role of institutions, throughout her book we get a historical, economic, legal background that helps us understand modern-day America and how racism was institutionalised. Although the criminalization of black individuals and the construction of an industrialized prison complex was not surprising, the introduction of tax laws was. Having an economic explanation as to how the taxing system fortified and categorized race and gender was unexpected to my knowledge. Considering black women's labor as taxable, but not white women's household, provides a partial explanation to modern day gender racial stereotypes. So not only that women belong in the household, but also that their work is not considered labor, where this was normatively and economically motivated and justified. The extent to which the U.S. institutionalized these expectations and conditions to society personally made me question how deeply ingrained these practices were and are. Differing from this aspect, I thought it is also relevant to mention that the book is told using a non-linear narrative, and so it flits back and forth between different years and characters, so that we feel we are peeping through a keyhole into a bright, vast and chaotic landscape of Americana history. I thought that this format was interesting and reflected the restless waywardness and ungovernability that Sophie has mentioned. Hartman deconstructs the pent-up feelings of frustration in her characters in each chapter and she explores the limits of freedom that the characters in in these circumstances have. Drifting and wandering and ducking and weaving through spaces that were not designed for black bodies, Hartman discusses how being lost in this way is, on the contrary, an act of finding oneself and forging a new path. This loops back to the discussion of rebellion, where she frequently references how freedom and being lost are interchangeable and reflects these themes in the disordered thoughts and feelings of her characters, particularly the character of Esther, Esther's wild, inchoate thoughts. Linked to your idea of imagination and thoughts as a form of freedom, another theme that recurs throughout the book is the importance granted to spaces and how black individuals navigated through a restrictive white world. Whether it's police brutality that punishes their public presence, or the role of theatres to construct an imaginary life for themselves, it depicts the legacy of slavery from the 20th century to today. The use of the imaginary in theatres or in the city at night emphasises the extent of oppression in the 19th century, but especially the various ways black women would find their escape in a country that punishes their presence. Hartman's creative writing style allows readers to have a glimpse in American society in the 20th century by incorporating both empirical and fictional elements to compensate for the lack of archival evidence of their experience. 
From an empirical perspective, a historical and legal account of black targeting sets the foundation in understanding modern America. Although social media, activism, or the role of filming allows for hate crimes to be recorded and used as evidence, Harmon's book helps, helps readers understand how perverse the legal system is and the centuries of black silences and brutality that prevails nowadays. To delve further into what Sophie has mentioned here, I think it would be interesting to further examine the legal background that Hartman positions her characters in. The legislation during this time was so vague that society could interpret it so as to freely prosecute black strata for any perceived wrong, no matter how slight or inconsequential. At one point, Hartman writes, why even try to hold on to one another when the law can seize you on a whim? This sentiment echoes gravely today. We need look no further than the monumental cases of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, among countless others. Census acts of murder committed by the police within just the last five years. As readers, we are unable to distance ourselves from this violence as it is unfortunately so prescient. As Sophie has said, this indeed displays the perverse nature of the legal system today. The vagrancy laws which Hartman talks about really shocked me. These were essentially a slight upgrade to the black code that existed before. This restricted black people's freedom of movement in social and governed spaces, as Sophie referenced earlier. The vagrancy statutes enabled the ruling classes to dominate and subvert any remnant of independence or power from the lower classes. Hartman topically suggests the vagrancy statutes became a new form of slavery, a legalized method of enforcing enforcing the workhouse and plantation fields upon black people under the guise of it being lawful employment. She often peppers her characters with the theme of youth as an effervescent way to inspire hope in her characters, who were not yet broken by want and deprivation. The character of Mabel illustrates the contrast between the spirited optimism of youth and the unfair reality of adulthood. I felt that Mabel's hope for a better life carried her ambition. One thing that we have not discussed yet, however, is the controversy that surrounds embellishing or speaking on behalf of the girls presented in the story. Although based on real people, Hartman largely conceptualized her characters, basing their stories and personalities by relying on testimonies that these characters gave in court, reports from social workers, prison guards and psychologists, letters written between them and their families. As such, there are a few first-hand accounts given, which one might say compromises the authenticity of Hartman's accounts. To some extent, the legacy of these women is somewhat undermined, as their entire memory only comes into existence under the conditions of 1920s racist mentality and as tools of white oppression. Your last point can make readers wonder on how to prevent and address the ongoing silencings of black voices, their experience and the role of literature or media in recounting past and present events. The very fact of conceptualising characters also holds, holds much meaning for the lack of archival evidence. This aspect seems to be challenged by recording police brutality instances, but much remains unseen or unheard, highlighting the perverseness of institutional racism and the complexities in addressing it. Overall, this book allows a creative endeavour of 20th century America by incorporating historical, legal, emotional and imaginative perspectives. So this is the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sirka. I'm Sophie and thank you for listening. <laughs>